Good morning, Capri. This is Pastor Chris, and it is Easter. And this is weird. To, to understand how weird this is, you have to understand what Easter is to a pastor. For us, this is it. This is our Super Bowl. This is the one Sunday everybody comes to church. Everybody dresses up. This is the one Sunday your weird uncle puts on pants and comes to worship. And, and this year was going to be awesome. See, Pastor Dan had asked me to preach the Easter message. I was going to get to be starting quarterback. I was going to be Patrick Mahomes on this day. And I had these images of grandeur in my head. We were going to pack this place out. We were going to have to hold like four extra services. There were going to be so many people here. Brad Martins was just going to walk around the entire time murmuring about the fire code under his breath. It was going to be amazing. I had this image of you guys laughing at every joke, amening at every good point, like, like out loud. And I was going to get done. I was going to be walking into the lobby and a talent scout was going to come up to me and offer me a book deal and ask if they can do a biopic on my life played by a young, handsome actor. I mean, this was going to be my moment. But life doesn't always go like you think it's going to. Because here we are. I mean, not together, not, not here at least. And I don't know if you dressed up, maybe just maybe you put on a new pair of sweatpants compared to what you wore last night, but it's not the same. And, and it feels almost like we're missing something a little bit. I've really wrestled coming into this morning because I, I was fighting my own disappointment. But then somebody reminded me that this was never going to be my moment. This is God's moment. And no matter what the world throws at us, no matter how many challenges arise throughout history, it has been shown that Easter still happens. That, that we as Christians still come together in whatever way we can to celebrate the resurrection of Christ together. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. Because Jesus says in the book of Matthew, the 18th chapter, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there with them. And it doesn't put restrictions on what that looks like. And so I believe that we are gathered here today, even if it's in separate homes. But I believe that Jesus is here with us. And together we are still going to celebrate the resurrection. So here's how I need your help. If you're watching this live, you will notice that there is a small heart located in the corner. Now I've described this before as kind of a, a virtual amen. When you click that, I get to see it, and so does everybody else. But this morning, we're going to do something kind of special with it. Because I love on Easter. 
getting up in front of people and being able to cry out, He is risen. And then you reply back, He is risen indeed. But since we can't do that the same way we normally do, when you hear that, when you hear He is risen, I want you to click on that heart button as many times as you can click on it. I want to watch this chat room explode with the love of Christ that we share together. So let's go ahead and try it out. You ready? He is risen. Yes! You, got, you get it. You guys get it. You are awesome, and we are going to do this. You know why? Because he is risen. I'm going to do that a lot because I like it, and, uh, and I can. So um, one more time, and we're going to jump into our message. He is risen. <laughs> you guys are awesome. So let's dive into the word. Now, there's a certain challenge that comes with preaching on Easter. This is one of the times where you most likely already know the story. You came into this this morning already knowing what I was going to talk about. And so it's hard to get creative or do something different within kind of the boundaries of, of what we, what we talk about on Easter. And so I'm going to ask you to do something. And this is going to be a little difficult. But see, sometimes it's hard for us to appreciate what this day is really about. Because we know the end of the story. We've already seen how it plays out. And sometimes as Christians, we then become that annoying person that posted Avengers spoilers on Facebook before everyone had a chance to see it. You know who you are and you will have to answer to God for that. And so we're like that with this story. So what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask that you try to forget just for a few moments what happens right before the credits roll. What, what's on the last page? In fact, tear out the last page. I mean, don't, don't actually tear it out of your, your Bible. I don't want to be the pastor that asks people to rip up their Bibles. That's not, you know, just, let's just try to forget the end of the story so we can appreciate the journey. And we're going to look at the journey of two individuals that have followed Jesus around and, and played a critical role and the story of the death and resurrection of Christ. The first of those two is my favorite disciple, Peter. Now, I love Peter because Peter always manages to say the wrong thing. And sometimes I feel like that's me. I'm the guy who once made a your mom joke to my brother. And that was Peter. And it's sometimes his foolishness that I connect with the most because I'm like, that, that's probably how I would have been. And then the other individual we're going to dive into is Mary Magdalene, who we don't know a ton about. But what we do know, there's a lot of richness to it. There's a depth to us that I don't think we always explore. 
And so we're going to take a look at where each of them, where they meet Jesus, how it starts. Here's one of the things you'll discover as you look at different people's journeys in Scripture. Sometimes Christians have this idea that we have to come to God a particular way. That there's only one path to God. You do this step and this step and then this step and then you're, you're there. But as you see their stories play out, you see all different kinds of individuals coming to Jesus in all different kinds of ways. And so I encourage you to never judge somebody else's story. Never judge somebody else's journey. How God entered into their life might be different than how God entered into your life. But that doesn't make it any less valid. So let's take a look at how God entered into the life of Peter. Now, I've preached on this before in the past, but long story short, at this time in the world, there was an educational system in place. And young Jewish boys, they would study God's word uh, up until a certain age. And then at that age, they would either be chosen by a rabbi to, to follow them and continue to learn, thinking of it as higher education. They'd get accepted in to that school, or they would be sent home to become a part of the family trade. Whatever your parents did, you would learn to do that, and that would be your life. Now, this is important because when we see Peter first encounter Jesus, do you know what he's doing right here in Matthew 4? He's fishing. He's fishing with his dad. In other words, he, he didn't make the cut, and he was sent home. And I really begin to connect with him there. Because he, in the eyes of at least some, would have been a failure. He was told that he wasn't good enough. And then Jesus comes along. And Jesus looks at him. And Jesus, a rabbi, asks him, he says, follow me. And Peter gets up and he follows him. And when I first read that as a kid, I always thought, well, how do you just drop everything and follow Jesus? But imagine being in a position where you had been left out. That the people around you had said you weren't good enough. At some point, you had failed and you didn't get the same opportunity. And then all of a sudden... This teacher, this teacher you really respect, this teacher you want to follow. Now, I'm reminded of a conversation we had just a few weeks ago with my daughter, Ollie. She has an amazing teacher at school, so much so that when we told her that she wasn't going to be returning, at least to the building for the rest of the school year, the first thing she said was, I'm not going to get to see my teacher all of us have had teachers in our life that made us feel like we belong and that we're a part of something. Pastor Dan does that with me. And I would be saying that even if he wasn't the cameraman this morning. And here is a teacher that could make these individuals feel like they belong more than any other. And he comes up to them even though the world 
had rejected them. And he says, come, follow me. And I think there's a little mini sermon in there that no matter who you are, no matter how big of a loser you might feel like you are, at least sometimes, I think we all have days where we look in the mirror and we don't like what we see. No matter, no matter what, Jesus is still willing to come into our lives and, and look at us and, and say, follow me. I want to be your rabbi. Follow me. And so that is how Peter's journey begins. That's the beginning of his story. The next individual I want to take a look at is Mary Magdalene. Now, we don't read a lot about the early part of her journey, the beginning of her story, but we do read just a little bit. In the book of Luke, in the eighth chapter, it tells us that Jesus was traveling along. He was preaching. He probably had Peter with him at this point. And it says that a group of women joined in with what they were doing. And it says that among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. I, I really wish it would give more details there because I have a lot of questions. Most people never have one demon, much less seven. And then it gives us this kind of crazy detail. It says that they were among those that were contributing their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. In other words, they were the ones funding the ministry of Jesus. Now, here is something that I had always missed when I read that until I started studying for this message. You know, I always wondered, you know, what, what was Mary like with seven demons? Was she just a crazy person that was running around and everybody pointed to her and knew that she was, she was the one with the demons? But then I see that it implies that she had wealth, that she was one of the ones backing Jesus' ministry. Now, in this time in the world's history, women weren't known for being wealthy. It was pretty rare for a, a female to be someone with a lot of money. And so she would have been known by her community, maybe even respected by her community. And yet at the same time, it says that she has seven demons. Now, scholars debate on what it means by demons. Are these literal demons like spiritual warfare? Are they mental or physical illnesses that people didn't understand at the time? What does it mean when it says demons? And, and honestly, I don't have a great answer to that. But what I do have is this little bit of insight that she, here she is, somebody that, that people look at, maybe even respect, but she's, she's battling. Seven demons. Maybe no one else knew. Maybe they did. But maybe it was something under the surface. And she was able to put on a facade when she was out in public so that people wouldn't know. But inside, she was being eaten up. And I, I can't help but to think, I relate to her too. That here's someone in the story that has to put on a pretty face for everybody else, but inside they are struggling. 
You know, we live here in Johnson County. And how many times do we do that? We think we have to impress our friends, our family, our neighbors, whoever it might be. And so we act like everything is okay, but inside we are falling apart. And yet Jesus enters into her story and says, I want to take care of the things on the inside. And then I want to teach you to do the same in the lives of others. And it's when he did that that she began to follow him too. That she became a part of the ministry of Jesus. In fact, there are times in Scripture that if it wasn't for her, we may not be here today declaring, He is risen. You, you weren't ready for that one, were you? Let's try it again. He is risen. Yes, there you go. Here's what I think we take from these stories. That no matter what is in your past, no matter what you have experienced before, resurrection is possible. You might have a ton of demons that nobody knows about, or maybe everybody knows about. Or maybe you've had experiences in your life where you were left feeling like you weren't good enough. You are a child of God. And because of that, no matter what is going on in your life, because of what Jesus did on the cross, resurrection is possible. You can follow Jesus. I've joked about it before, but I mean it. I once had a friend tell me, I would love to come hear you preach, but I'm pretty sure if I walked into a church, I would burst into flames. And while I laughed on the outside, inside my heart broke that somebody would think that something in their life has disqualified them from the gospel. Nothing disqualifies you from the gospel. The gospel is bigger. God's love is bigger. And because of that, Jesus looks at you, yes, you, and says, come follow me. He looks at you and says, no matter what's going on in your life, I can take care of it. I can walk with you through that and bring you to a better place. As Paul says, you can experience a new life. You can become a new creation. And that's what both Peter and Mary Magdalene experienced when they met Jesus. And so they began a journey with him. They traveled around as he healed the sick, as he cast out demons, as he preached the good news to everybody that would listen. They got to be a part of that. And things were looking good. But as we're going to see, things change pretty quickly. Because they head to the capital city, Jerusalem, for what we call Holy Week. All right, so let's go on a bit of a journey here. All right, we're going to keep moving in this story, much like Peter and Mary did. And here they were entering into the holy city, 
And as they come in, like Pastor Dan preached last week, there's this huge celebration of people calling him Lord and King. And, and really everything is going to plan. But then we're going to see that it quickly starts to change. And I don't know about you, but I can relate to that. Uh, because up until a few weeks ago, I felt like life was going pretty smoothly. That, that I had most stuff figured out. Things were rolling along, the economy was going well, maybe some of you had jobs and careers that were going great, and then all of a sudden, everything changed. They're gathered there eating the Last Supper, and Jesus begins to explain to them what, what's going to happen. And they get upset. Peter gets so upset, he declares to Jesus, no, I won't let this happen. In fact, I will follow you to death. Now, sadly, we know if you've read the story that, that this is not true because one of the disciples sneaks away and tips the authorities off to where they're at. And those authorities catch up with them as they're praying in the garden and they come to take Jesus away. Now, Peter, once again, is so upset about this, he actually pulls out a sword and, and cuts off one of the soldier's ears. Now, thankfully, Jesus heals him and things move along. It didn't escalate too much there, but before we know it, we find ourselves right here at the cross. This is the moment where Jesus gives his life for those disciples and for us today. And I cannot stress what a dark moment this was. For, for those who had followed Jesus for three years and believed that when he said he was going to be Lord, he was going to be king, that he was really going to be Lord and king, and now he's dying on the cross. I cannot fathom the disappointment, the, the grieving that they were experiencing in that moment. This was their darkest night. And we see in those two characters, two different responses. One of them, Peter, he sees this and well, he feels like this is the end of the story. This is a period at the end of the sentence. And he walks away. He, he doesn't stick around to see it play out. Later in the story, he even says, I'm going fishing. In other words, I'm going back to the life I had before Jesus. He thought it was over. But Mary, something in her heart told her it wasn't over. That this wasn't the end of the story. She didn't put a period at the end of the sentence. She put a semicolon because she knew somewhere deep down that there was still more to come. In fact, the Bible tells us not only that she stuck around to witness the crucifixion, but she stayed even after that to see where they were going to bury the body. That was supposed to be a secret. If it wasn't for Mary doing that, we might not have had the moment at the tomb that we do on Easter morning. But something inside of her, something deep down said the story is not over. This night, no matter how dark, will not win. And this is what the text tells us. That on Easter morning, 
Mary was standing outside the tomb crying as she wept. She stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been laying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angel asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied. And I don't know where they've put him. See, the tomb was was empty. She's like, "I, I know the body came here, but I don't know where it's at now. So she turned to leave and saw someone standing there. I love this. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked. Who are you looking for? So she thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you've put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I have yet ascended to the Father, but go and find my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. She gave him his message. She is the first one in Scripture to declare, He is risen. I'm I'm waiting for the heart. I told you to click the heart when I said it. There you go. Thank you. Because He has risen. And that's the message of the cross in the empty tomb. That this is not the end of the story. No matter how bad things get, no matter how dark it may seem, no matter how much you feel like you're stuck in the middle of the night. As French poet Victor Hugo once said, even the darkest night will end and the sun will rise. In other words, resurrection is possible. And here's why I think that message is so important right now. We live in a world full of grieving. For some, that grieving is very literal. It's the loss of a friend or a family member. I just had a friend reach out to me the other day and ask for prayer because she had just lost her grandmother to COVID-19. And some of you share in that grief. For others, it's the grieving, the loss of a job or a career. Your source of income is gone. Your world is all of a sudden filled with insecurity. And and there's grief there. For others, you're grieving having to miss that game or that musical or that activity. You You were supposed to be there. Your kid was supposed to be in it. And now it's not happening. For our high school and college seniors, maybe you're grieving not getting to walk across the stage to celebrate all of your hard work. There's loss and grieving all around us right now. Or maybe some of you are like me. And if you follow me on social media, if you heard me preach before, you know that I battle anxiety and sometimes depression. I have OCD, 
but both the funny kind where when things aren't a particular way I get upset and the not so funny kind where if things aren't a particular way I get upset and my brain doesn't work right. And the one thing that keeps that in check is feeling like I'm in control. And lately I haven't felt in control of anything. My, my whole life, my routine, what's normal, that's, it's all changed. I work from home now. My wife works from home now. My daughter goes to school at home now. And I love them and I love spending time with them, but everything's different. And it's triggered a lot of anxiety. And I haven't been sleeping. And, and I'll be completely honest and say there have been some some bad moments, some dark moments, some times where I felt like I was stuck in the middle of the night. And that's why I need this reminder that it's not the end of the story, that the sun will rise, that resurrection is possible, that He is risen. And so here is my challenge for you this morning. If you are out there and you need that reminder, that Easter reminder, that this is not the end of the story, that the sun will rise, that resurrection is possible, that He is risen. If you need that reminder, I want you to notice there's a little um, live prayer button on this, on this page right here. And we're going to play one last song here. And during that song, if you feel like you need that reminder, if you need, if you need prayer, you can click that button and know that one of our staff, one of the members of our prayer team, we're going to reply back. We're not going to call you. We're not going to show up at your house. We're simply going to reply to that message. And we're going to ask, how can we be that reminder? How can we pray for you? And we just want to connect with you this morning so that together we can declare He is risen. Christ the Lord is risen today. Hallelujah. Sons of men and angels say Hallelujah. Raise your voice and try on Souls to 
Ah uh...